You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Preacher once said, those who are afraid, those who do not know enough to be afraid, and those who know their Bibles. Three types of people. Those who are afraid, those that don't know enough to be afraid, and those that know their Bible. (laughs) So we're looking at word-enriched prayer today. Why? To the degree that we believe in God's word and apply it to prayer, is the degree to which God will pour out his power during our prayer. It's through the word that we we come and and we hear what God is saying. We receive his promises. We understand his heart. We see things from his perspective. And we know then uh, something of his heart in that direction. And so we begin to pray. Have you ever heard of Leonard Ravenhill? Some of you have heard of Leonard I got, to, I got to be under his ministry several times at Asbury College. He would come once in a while, and it was really interesting. When they, when they brought him to minister to the student body, uh, I remember my Old Testament prof said, well, today you're going to see a prophet. <laughs> and in an evangelical community, you don't hear words quite like that very often. And I thought, man, I wonder what this is going to be like. And I heard Leonard, and man, he was, he was black and white. There was no gray. There was no gray. And uh, some of the students were misbehaving during the chapel, and he let them know it. Mm-hmm. He called us, you silver spoon-fed baby Christians. And I thought, I don't think that's a word of encouragement. I think he's trying to bring some correction, which he did. Well, this is what Leonard said. He said, one of these days, some simple soul will pick up the book of God and read it and believe it. The rest of us will be embarrassed. We have adopted the convenient theory that the Bible is a book to be explained, whereas first and foremost, it is a book to be believed and after that to be obeyed. Hmm. Praying the scriptures brings divine nourishment. Ian Bound says that prayer projects faith on God and God on the world. Only God can move mountains, but faith and prayer move God. So how do we, how do we get this faith? Well, Paul writes in Romans ten seventeen, the New Living Translation, yet faith comes from listening to this message of good news the good news about Christ. Mm-hmm. So every time we hear the gospel, every time we hear the good news, every time we hear the word of God, we, we are in an opportunity of seeing faith move to another dimension for it to increase and to grow and to develop. Andrew Murray said, little of the world with little prayer is death to the spiritual life. Much of the world with little prayer gives a sickly life. Much prayer with little of the word gives more life, but without steadfastness. A full measure of the word and prayer each day gives a healthy and powerful life. It almost sounds like uh, we're getting a vitamin supplement. You know, take a one a day, 
along with your regular protein breakfast and you're set for the day. But that's really not the heart of it. It's, it's understanding the, the uniqueness of the word of God and our time in his presence. And the word of God written, the word of God spoken, the word of God revealed uh, means so much to us. And it, it becomes the very foundation, the springboard by which we enter into his presence. Lehman Strauss adds, he says, when we neglect the daily quiet meditative reading of God's word, we block the lifeline to God's throne of grace. Our abiding in Christ through the word is a life process that must never cease. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I don't know how you're hearing some of these quotes. I wish I could get inside your heads right now and, and figure out how you're hearing them. I know how I've, how I've heard them in the past, and oftentimes when I hear some of these kind of things, it sounds like, oh, I must be doing it wrong. I, I must not be listening right to the word of God, and therefore that's probably why my prayer life is so ineffective. Or some kind of guilt, some kind of negative. Um, you know, it seemed like in, as we continue as we continue in history with God, we, we understand more and more of his heart. And, and we, we, we see that God, as, as our fathers and great grandfathers, as they, they came to hear God's word and they came to experience life and the spirit and stuff like this, they were kind of motivated a lot by negativ negativity. I know the church that I grew up in, almost everything uh, had a little tinge of guilt-producing dynamic to it. And, and that's how you got people to do what you wanted people to do is you make them feel guilty. Oh, I haven't made you feel guilty yet today. Um, we've got another bucket coming off. I forgot. We got another bucket. I, I got right into the sermon. We got another bucket that has bit the dust. So we got that going. And I've heard by faith that there's a couple more buckets coming down. So good, 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 good. And in the past, the church would make you really feel guilty because there's still so many more buckets up here. Oh. Come on, you guys. Can't wait. Yeah. No. And I think that's kind of how the, you know, the shaming of prayer and the shaming of reading the word has kind of, if you've been in the church any length of time, there's always been an element of that. And, uh, you know, there, there's, for some people that moves them, that doesn't move me near as much as his love does today. Yeah. Amen. When, when, when I sense the very love of the Father saying, I'd really like to spend time with you today. Could we meet at one? <laughs> Could we meet when you wake up? Do you, do you mind if, uh, if during lunchtime you, you, you walk the parking lot and we talk? There's some things I want to share with you. Come on. Anybody say, nah, I'm busy. <laughs> See you next week. I can fit you in on the 25th. Oh, that's today. Uh, yeah. How about the 26th? Yeah. So we, we, we really want to, to make sure that even as we're reading some of these wonderful Christian classics that have been really, really helpful for, 
for many years at help encouraging people to pray, let's, let's be mindful that I think that there's a shift in, in the kingdom of a no longer a guilt-shame-based kind of performance and, and we're not measuring up to just an invitation for a conversation with the one that loves us infinitely. So we pray God's promises. And, I, and I've told you, I, I've seen this done. You know, a, a lot of folks, de- depending on what kind of stream in the body of Christ you've been flowing in, sometimes the promises are, are used in, in almost a legalistic sense. You know, like I got this promise because I read it in the Bible and now I'm going to take it out of context and I'm going to apply it to my lottery ticket and I'm going to demand God to give me the desires of my heart. You know, and we, we get all sorts of silly stuff like that. And has anybody ever received a promise from the word of God that hasn't been fulfilled yet? Nobody. Okay, good. Everybody's got the promises fulfilled. I've got several. I got several of, of those things that I believe that the Lord has spoken to me through his word. It was highlighted and I've, I've embraced it. I haven't seen it yet. But I believe in it. And I find that oftentimes there's, there's developmental phases to a promise. And so we get a promise and we have to stand on the promise. And then we find that there's another baby step that we got to take for faith to go to the next level. And then the promise becomes even more real to us than it was before. And then we take the next step. And it, it's almost like the intensity and the power of the promise increases as we continue to comply step by step until we get to its destination. You know, I, I, heard, I heard it all uh, said, I think it was Bill Johnson that was talking and he said, oftentimes God will give you a promise today that will help you to get to where he's called you to in the future. And he knows what it's going to take to get where he's called you to. So he gives you that promise today so that you don't lose heart. And so that you don't get confused on the direction that he's called you to based on the resistance and circumstances that are around you, but that you continue to persevere. I love it when I see people who have a, a dream, a destiny, and they keep persevering even though there's, there's setbacks. You got a calling and you're, you're, you're going for it. And the first level of it, you, you find out that something about you doesn't qualify. You either don't have enough education, you don't have the physical attributes yet. I don't know. And, and, and so you gotta go, you gotta do the preparation and then re-engage and pursue the dream. There's something about when you get to what you believe God's called you to do and you've had to persevere at it, that when you get there, you know you know that you're where you're supposed to be. There's, a, there's an assurance that's in your spirit, your soul, your mind, your body, and you can embrace the activity that God's called you to with all your heart. We looked last week about George Mueller, who, who 
has never had an unanswered prayer. And that was just amazing. Just amazing. A lot of times we look at this and we say, man, what's the secret to never praying and having your prayer unanswered? Now, some of us say, well, let's just play it safe. Lord, give me air to breathe today. <laughs> Check, answered. There we go. We get our paycheck. Lord, help me pay the bills. Check, we got it. You know, sometimes we, we, we kind of get ridiculous and we, we think, no, no, no. This man was, was taking care of an orphanage in England and there was times when there was no food at all and he would pray and somebody would just come by the orphanage and drop off the groceries. And so he, he, he was a man of faith a man of intimacy with God, and he learned how to really, really pray in closeness with God. George said, the first thing I did after having asked in a few words the Lord's blessing on his precious word was to begin to meditate on the word of God, searching as it were into every verse to get a blessing out of it not for the sake of public ministry of the word, nor for the sake of preaching on what I meditate upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. The result I have found to be almost invariably this, that after a very few minutes, my soul has been led to confession or to thanksgiving or to intercession or to supplication. So that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer, but to meditation, yet it turned almost immediately more or less into prayer. So here, they're trying to use this illustration of George to help us to see one of the ways to really, really see effective prayer is to let the prayer be birthed out of your spirit-filled reading of the word. And what the spirit breathes and quickens inside, that's what we then turn around and pray. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon expressed it this way, every promise of scripture is a writing of God, which may be pleaded before him with this reasonable request, do as thou hast said. The creator will not cheat the creature who depends upon his truth and far more the heavenly father will not break his word to his own child. Mm -hmm. And that's why the scripture tells us, you know, that we being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Mm -hmm. So word enriched prayer. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Glory. Mm -hmm. Psalm 119, verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Dynamite. 
thine own mind. Jeremiah 23, 29. Does not my word burn like fire? Asked the Lord. Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes rock to pieces? Oh, I love that. Come on, come on. This, some of the women's might get a little squimish, but guys, don't we love this? I mean, this is sledgehammer. This is sledgehammer application of, of the word of the Lord to have prayers that hit like a sledgehammer. Mm. Laser smart, sledgehammer accurate, destroying the rock. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I remember when we were kids and we first discovered a hammer. We had to find something hard enough that we didn't crack the sidewalk, but we loved to crack rocks. And we'd take rocks and we'd hit them and they'd fly off to (laughs) get somebody. But we, 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 we learned to get pretty accurate. And it's fun seeing rocks crushed. And there's things that the enemy constructs that are really obstacles between us and the purposes of the Lord. And the Lord wants us to receive his word as a hammer and smash these things to smithereens. Let's, let's do some rocking. It's hammer time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's get going on it. Ian Bounds, another quote of his, the word of God is the fulcrum upon which the lever of prayer is placed and by which things are mightily moved. God has committed himself, his purpose, and his promise to prayer. His word becomes the basis, the inspiration of our praying, and there are circumstances under which by importunate, oh boy, yeah, prayer, we may obtain an addition or an enlargement of his promises. Mm Mm-hmm. And so scripture praying, the fourth step in world-changing prayer, having the scripture in your devotional hour, ask God to bless his word to your spiritual body, just as he blesses natural food to your physical body. Examine a passage from the gospels, the epistles, Psalms, Proverbs, look carefully for specific ways to apply each verse to prayer. Sometimes that'll be for you. Sometimes there'll be anointing on a, on a verse of scripture for another. As you study a verse or verses, ask yourself what petition this passage prompts you to make. What promise this passage contains that stands directly behind a specific petition. And then develop actual prayers based on the thoughts and f- phrases included in a verse of scripture and offer those prayers confidently to the Lord. Okay. Now, that's good. Thank God for the word. But I'm really liking this next section. Watching. (laughs) Let's get alert. Let's get alert. Watch and pray. You, You find this, you know, as Jesus heads to the Garden of Gethsemane, the command to his disciples is to watch and pray. Why? Why do we watch and pray? Anybody awake? (laughs) It's time to watch and pray. Why do we watch and pray? 
so we know what's going on. Yeah, we got to be sober and alert. We got to pay attention. Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray that they not enter into temptation. We watch and pray so we don't fall asleep on the job. Mm hmm. Or in church. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do some intercession on that one. There we go. Mm hmm. So watch and pray. In the Greek word, Gregorio, to be awake or vigilant, keeping awake in order to guard, a close observation, to be on the alert, to be spiritually awake, to be on guard. First mm-hmm. Peter uses this word this way in his first letter, chapter five, verse eight says, be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Mm-hmm. You watch because we've got an adversary. You watch because there's a real enemy who's trying to destroy and devour. Mm-hmm. Ephesians six eighteen. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. Right on. And Isaiah 62, 6. O Jerusalem, I have, placed, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray to the Lord day and night for the fulfillment of his promises. Take no rest, all you who pray. Right on. Mm. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a real sense when we start moving into, into watching, there's almost a shift in our prayer time. And, and now we're, we're bringing in the reality of our, our, of our real world existence. That in our real world, we have an adversary who's out to harm us in any way he possibly can. And we have to, to be aware of that. Uh, sometimes we go around like Pollyanna Christians and we, and we, and we don't understand how he's functioning and what he's trying to do to get us to, to just pretend like all's well and everything's just hunky-dory when there's times that he's waking us to intercede, there's times that he's calling us to pray, to watch and to pray because the enemy is, is, is not taking a vacation. He is continuing to pursue and destroy everything that he can. And as the days get closer, he's working harder. He's working more feverishly because he knows his time is short. Okay? Did everybody hear that? Right on. Having said that, our focus in prayer is not the evil one. Our focus in prayer is the Lord. And this is where I think so many times we fall right into his hands. Because we think that we've got to be good, responsible Christians, and so we start going out devil hunting. And it's like, don't go devil hunting. Go Jesus hunting. Go Holy Spirit hunting. Go Father hunting. Continue to let your pursuit be for intimacy with Him. And as you do that, you will become aware of what the enemy's doing that's trying to hinder that. And when you start interceding for others, you will become aware of some of the techniques, the devices, the wiles of the evil one that he's trying to use to bring discouragement, sickness, harm, or even death to another. 
So we need to be aware, but don't make that your primary focus. It's always the Lord. Always the Lord. Keep that as your primary focus. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we do not even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. In Ephesians 6.18 and Jude 20, we're, we're admonished to pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is a vital part of all of life. And we have to be mindful. Sometimes we think prayer is, is something that we have to do. And, and we, we do it in such a way as we don't see the results we're supposed to see. Strauss says again, if anyone were to ask me what is the first truly great secret of successful prayer life, I would say in answer, praying in the Holy Spirit. Human wisdom and human desire can achieve human results, but praying in the Spirit produces divine results. And how many times do we, we get in a situation we don't know how to pray? That's the, moment, the, the point where we need to yield to the Holy Spirit and just let him come and pray in and through us. You know, in crafted prayer, we've, we've talked about the, the concept that I, I'm really embracing and adopt, adapting and adopting, that, that I'm, I'm wanting whatever the situation is, when, when I've got something that's going on and I need to, I need to pray effectively, my first thing is to come into the presence of the Lord and from that place, get into the throne room of the Most High. Now we're cooking. We need to understand that we have access. We have access because of what Jesus has done. What his blood has purchased for us has given us access into the very throne room of God. We are invited into the presence. And as we come there, we, we know that the Holy Spirit, as we've just heard, is, is interceding for us with expressions that there's no words for. But we need to get the gist of what he's doing. That's why last week I said I give everyone permission to do holy eavesdropping. And as we get in the throne room, we know that Jesus, our great high priest, lives to make intercession for us. And the Holy Spirit is interceding for us according to the will of God. And so if we don't know what the will of God is, let's get our ears open. Let's hear what Holy Spirit's saying to the Father, what Jesus is saying to the Father. And once we hear what they're praying concerning you, yeah. concerning the situations, yeah. then we know hmm, how to stand in agreement in prayer. All right. What do you think is the most difficult thing? about that, that picture, that portrait of prayer. Hearing and recognizing the voice. Because we put our wants and desires first. And we 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hearing the voice of the Lord, what he's saying, because oftentimes when we come into prayer, we're, we're bringing our petition, we're bringing our wants and desires first. And as a result, it takes us already down a direction and we're not listening to what's happening in heaven. I think, that, I think that's kind of right on target. I think the hardest part is getting to the throne room. Many of us don't know how to get in the throne room because we, we oftentimes don't go to prayer until we're already in crisis. And when we're in crisis, how, how many realize that when we're in crisis, our faith level's usually not very high. A lot of times when the crisis hits, uh, we're praying, help! <laughs> and it's like, it's like smashing your thumb with the hammer. The throbbing all gets all the focus, and it's really hard to hear what anybody else is saying when, when you've got a throbbing body part. Mm-hmm. That's why we need to come to the Lord in a regular way all the time, <laughs> especially guard the morning time. Get up, spend time with him. If you're a nocturnal creature, uh, get with him as soon as you're halfway conscious and, and, and hear and worship. That's why, you know, praise, thanksgiving, waiting, watching, all those kind of things come into play to bring us into the throne room. But when you get into the throne room and you hear what the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is praying, do you think that would boost your faith to pray? Do you know what to pray? Do you know how to pray? But what if the Holy Spirit's groaning? Then you know what to groan, okay? Whatever you hear the Holy Spirit giving expression to in, in the throne room of, of, of the Father, you have permission to imitate. So when you, you say, Lord, how, how are you praying for me? And you look over the Holy Spirit and he's going, mm. yeah, try that one. <laughs> Come in. Or if you hear an elation of joy, Celebrate that. Imitate what the Holy Spirit is, is doing before the Father for you because he loves you. No mm-hmm. Here's something that Ann Townsend uses when she's praying for others that really helped her in regard to using your imagination. She says, if I can imagine what it must be like to be the one for whom I'm praying, then I find that I can begin to intercede for that person. My imagination leads me on to want to be more deeply involved with him in his own life. This involvement leads to caring. Caring leads to love. And love leads to intercession. I like that. I thought that was excellent. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. 
and his spirit searches out and shows us even the deep secrets, God's deep secrets. Mm. Yes. The Holy Spirit is so much a part, so much a part of this activity, so much a part of our relationship and intimacy with the Father. Watching the fifth step in world-changing prayer, take a few moments during prayer to become spiritually alert. Sometimes that means go slap yourself. Has anybody done that? Because as, as I'm doing the previous step, praying with the scriptures and I'm reading the word, have you ever had that experience when you're reading the scriptures and all of a sudden there's like a spirit of drowsiness that comes over you and it comes over you almost at the exact same word or phrase or sentence? I I've, I've, wish I had a nickel for every time that happened to me. I could pay for the rest of the paint. <laughs> when that happens, I used to feel guilty and think, what a sluggard. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on my soul. Here I'm reading the living word and I'm falling asleep. And then I get to prayer and I'm falling asleep. And it's like, no, when that happens, alert yourself. Sometimes I literally have to get up and go to the sink, splash some cold water on my face, give myself a couple slaps, and then go back and read it. But I know, I, I get excited because I know there's something in there that the enemy doesn't want me to see. I know that there's something that the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 we're not glossing over this today. We're going to get this. And so we go back, we reread it, we reread it, we reread it, and we get breakthrough. But you have to be intentional about that. So get spiritually alert. Watch for the methods that Satan may try to use to hinder your Christian walk that day. Prayerfully claim power to defeat Satan in these areas, each of them. When you start looking to intercession, you know, it's, it's, uh, this was written way back when. Today we'd say, uh, connect to Google and look at uh, persecution of the church and start praying. But... You know, looking at something, becoming aware of, of what's happening in the world, what, what's going on in China, what's going on in other parts of the world so that you can pray. Prayerfully recall various international news developments that deserve special prayer. And we're kind of doing that for our own country, and that's part of what Decision 216 is about. 2016, we're, we're looking at, okay, Lord, we don't want to, we know that the enemy would love to destroy the country, and he would love to continue to dilute the integrity uh, of leadership in this country. And so, Lord, we, we want to stand with you. Four, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal further spiritual facts about these needs. This will aid you in praying more intelligently for these needs. Oh, yes. How you doing? Fine. Anybody still awake? Out of order. I was reading in, in Crafted Prayer it's something that I just thought was so in, incredibly rich. Uh, using scripture in your prayer time and, and looking at how King David used scripture 
in, in his prayer time. We realize that the Psalms is kind of his journal. It's his worship hymnal. It's, it's, it's him putting down his prayers to God. And so kind of listen to this. Imagine, you know, coming into the throne room of God and hearing what, what is the conversation of heaven. David has just committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba. Her husband's been murdered. Nathan has come and exposed him. Now this is Old Testament, folks. What do you think David's concerned about? So Graham Cook writes, imagine the conversation the Trinity is having. Well, you know, he needs to understand my grace. He needs to learn about loving kindness. He needs to know that I have compassion for him. He needs to be washed, cleansed, and purified. He needs to learn that there's truth in the inner man. He needs wisdom from here on high. He needs to be restored, and he definitely needs the joy of his salvation restored. It goes on. He needs to know that I'm going to block out his transgressions, that I can give him a clean heart and a steadfast spirit, and I'm not going to take the Holy Spirit away from him. That's the conversation in heaven. David, broken, sat down and began to write his prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Hmm. As we get to heaven and we hear what the conversation is heaven over our lives, especially after a failure, especially when we're in a a fearful, overwhelming situation. We need to go and listen with pen and paper and take note of what the Lord is saying. The cry of David's heart is echoing the heart of God.
to David. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the prayer of Jesus. So when you're looking to pray, ask what is heaven's conversation concerning this? Whatever, whatever it is that you're praying. See if you can get in on heaven's conversation. It will make all the difference in the world how you pray and how you live. He shares another one that's, that's really, really good. And then he has a caution about presumption. And the, the caution that we have about presumption is oftentimes we pray what our best wishes is for, for the situation. And that's okay if that lines up with what God's wish is for the situation. But we have to be careful when we you know, presume that this is God's will. Wait until you know what he has to say. Boy, we're going, this testimony is just too good. I don't know if I can do it justice. But the thing that I loved about the testimony that Graham has in his book is that the person that he's, that is the highlight of his testimony, his name is John. Hmm. In a very similar situation. So he says, Father, what on earth is going on here? They call, they call together a prayer meeting and over 200 people gather in the church to pray. And as he comes, he, the Lord just says, just walk around and listen. Listen to where people are praying from. And there's people praying for fear. There's people begging God to do something. There's people that are trying to arm twist God, you know, twist God's arm to get him to do what they think he should do. And then as he went about, there was like 20 or 30 people that were just listening and trying to hear from the Lord. And, and the Lord told him, I want you to invite those 20 people over to John's house for prayer tomorrow night. Whoa. So he does that. This John's dying. He's got a tumor uh, that uh, started out uh, rather small and was up to the size of a tennis ball in, in his brain. So it was putting pressure on, on everything. And so they, they were in a very serious situation. And so as they get there, we're going to come to a place where God will tell us what he wants to do for John and his tumor. Hmm. So they met and they began worshiping. And after an hour, Graham stood up and handed everyone a piece of paper and a pen. He says, find yourself a quiet place in the house or on the gardens or so and just sit before the Lord and ask him what he wants to do for John. When you're learning how to hear the Lord, he doesn't speak to you in whole sentences, but in key words and phrases. Just be still before the Lord and let God breathe on you. Whatever comes into your conscious mind, write it down. Okay? Now you're hearing an example, but I'm giving it to you as a commission to be praying and to use this in your prayer for John Newell. <clears throat> when everyone came back, we went around the room and wrote the key words and phrases and phrases on a flip chart. <laughs> As words were repeated, I put a check mark beside them, and by the end of it, some of the words had as many as 25 check marks. Taking those oft-repeated words and writing them down again, I asked the intercessors to go back to their quiet place, 
meditate on the words, and form them into a prayer. An hour later, the group came back together, full of excitement and confidence. They marched in like an army, eyes bright, with faces smiling broadly. People were almost jumping from their seats. Okay, we'll start reading them out loud, one sentence at a time. I wrote down the first person's opening sentence. Anyone else get that first sentence, I asked. Eight or nine people waved their hands. Faith in the room shot up another notch. Anybody have an, an approximate to that first sentence? Another six people put up their hands. We went through the whole exercise and found that most people had put the words and phrases in the same order. By the end of the evening, the room was hopping. Hearts were so intense that I thought to myself, I better let these guys pray or they're going to kill me. So we wrote out a prayer and came into agreement. And that is what we would pray. And this is very important. There is only one thing to pray and one thing only. What happens with most of us is that we start off praying in our fear and panic and we give God so many choices that the situation overwhelms us. We end up losing heart and quit praying at all. That night at John's house, we prayed the prayer once just to keep people from exploding and set another prayer meeting for the next evening. It was the fourth straight day that we had met. That night, I had a tape recorder and transcripts of the prayer ready. We'll worship the Lord for an hour or so because he's worth it. And then we're going to pray the same prayer one by one. But when you come to pray, you have to totally let your heart and your faith lift before God. And you have to pray it with whatever faith, passion, intensity, and power that you possess. We recorded the prayers onto the tape. We could feel the intensity grow. At the end of the evening, you felt 12 foot tall. Okay, I said, after everyone had a turn, now we're going to pray until God tells us to stop. Because perseverance in prayer is about praying in the same level of passion, power, and intensity and faith on the 91st occasion as we did on the first. The same level. We're going to pray, and when you come to the prayer, the next prayer meeting, you must listen to this tape and come in at the same level. We actually prayed for John 73 times. But it was like a picnic. We found it incredibly enjoyable. The more we prayed, the more God did. The more confidence John had and the more relaxed and peaceful his home became. How can you be like this? The nurses would ask and John would tell them about Jesus. His family, many of whom were unbelievers, asked John how he could live like this. I know what God is going to do, he answered. I didn't think I think God didn't heal him immediately because he wanted to accomplish all of these things first, moving on the hearts of his family and nurses. John's faith grew to the point that he began to proclaim what God was going to do. He began to minister to the people who were supposed to be ministering to him. We came to his home the night before the doctors had scheduled him for surgery and prayed in complete confidence, John, when you go in tomorrow, you need to ask for another CAT scan. Don't submit to the knife. Ask for a CAT scan. 
There is no operation here. We've already done, we've already done about a dozen, John replied. Well, lucky 13. Already done a dozen CAT scans. Well, lucky 13. Ask for a CAT scan. If they won't, if they don't want to, tell them I'll pay for it. The next morning, John went in and asked for one more CAT scan. It took some convincing, but finally they did it. There was nothing there. Thinking the scanner was broken, they put John in a cab and took him across town to another hospital. Again, John was scanned. Again, there was nothing. There's absolutely nothing, the doctor said. Not only is there nothing there, but there doesn't seem to be any trace that anything ever was there. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite part of this story was when John told the doctors moment before they gave him the final CAT scan, you're not going to find anything there. When he came out, he said, I told you so. <laughs> On his medical records, the medical staff added their explanation. We know that he belongs to a strong praying community and we put this down to an act of God. Oh, yeah. hmm. That was a little longer than I was expecting, but I hope you heard it. Let's pray. Hmm. We thank you for the testimony that we just heard. And we say, Lord, do it again. We ask, Holy Spirit, that in your mercy and kindness that you would come and that you would show us how to stand with what heaven is saying concerning John Newell. We ask you to let us hear what heaven is saying about Betsy Hardiman. We ask you to let us hear what heaven is saying about Maddie. We ask you to let us hear oh, what, what, what heaven is saying about the little babes. Hmm. For Joanne's precious little one. Yes. And they think he can't hear. What are you saying? We pray for this little one. Hmm. Or to Margaret's great grand niece, I pray, Father, that you would let us know what you're, what you're saying about this tumor in the brain. I pray that you would teach us to hear and then know how to come together in agreement corporately. I pray that we wouldn't be an assembly that panics and faith goes out the window. But I pray, Lord, that you would teach us out of truth and love and out of hearing into heaven to know how to come in agreement with what's going on on earth. You just take a moment and listen for whatever situation you have going on in your life that you need to hear what heaven is saying.
Thank you, Lord. Mm, thank you. Continue to, to speak to us. Continue to give us grace to hear what heaven sang. We long to hear the conversation of the Trinity. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen access expressed that way. I think I always saw access as I've got permission to come into the throne room to say I'm sorry and please forgive me and, and I never saw it as access to hear what the Trinity's praying. Let's jump on that this week. Get your, get your journals, get your smartphones, get some way of taking notes of what the Lord's saying. If you got something, uh, it may be for John, it may be for some, some other situation, thank the Lord for that. Uh, if you have anything that you think it would, would bless the body, make sure you get that to us so that we can send it out. We can send out an email uh, letting everybody know what kind of things that the Lord was speaking. Uh, if there's anything that needs to be ministered right now at this moment, we'll take time for that to take place. Want to give those that need to go because this has been a two-hour experience. Please uh, be gracious <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. So those that need to leave, I, I give you grace and, and a, a holy benediction. Let the, let the countenance of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace and go and live uh, this beautiful sunny day that's going to turn into a little cloudy, but it's still going to be glorious. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.